0: Thank you for joining. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm super stoked for this. Um, uh, first question I asked everyone is when did you know music was going to be a part of your life?
1: There's kind of like one. There's like one moment that I can remember that kind of like kicked everything off. And then there's several moments after that, that like reassured and like I officially decided this was going to be my life, but. Um, the first one was, was very early. I was, I must've been in junior high and I have an older sister who's four years older than me. she was in high school. And, um, I remember she just like walked into my room one day and like handed me a stack of CDs and she was just like, uh, Benny, uh, let me know which ones you like and I'll burn them for you. And she, she actually gave the CDs to me and my brother. Um, And then, so she was like, let me know which ones you like. And in that like first bunch of CDs was Bad Religion, Goldfinger, Bouncing Souls, Pennywise, Mighty Mighty Stones, Less Than Jake. Like that was kind of just my like gateway chunk to punk rock and ska music. and then I still have a, a couple of those, like a, the original CDs that you gave me in junior high, and they don't they don't play anymore, obviously. But I couldn't throw them away because it was just like, uh, yeah. So that was like that was like, oh, I was like, oh, okay, like music is really cool. I think this <laughs> is, I think this is now a part of who I am, you know. And then just from there, it just like it keeps going. You meet friends who like the same music. You eventually start playing and you may be playing bands and you just meet people and it just like grows and grows and grows.
0: Yeah. That, I mean, that's a strong stack of CDs right there. Those are some, <laughs> yeah.
1: some. And I was so young and like, I don't even remember. I just like, I think I was just like, I think I was maybe just like, my sister's cool. This is cool. <laughs> or like, or, or maybe even like my parents don't like this. This is cool. Like, I don't even remember why i picked the cd like i don't you know i don't even know uh Uh, do
0: you remember how old you were when when you got those cds
1: so so i
0: would have been in junior high so that would have been like oh
1: man i don't even know 13 fourteen. yeah that would have been like 2000 ish yeah exactly yeah Yeah. yep
0: (laughs) yeah that's crazy so after you got that um like When you heard those were you inspired to play music already or did that kind of come down later
1: that definitely came later um i was a little bit of a late bloomer when it comes to playing music and being a musician um i didn't really pick up bass guitar until like sophomore junior year of high school um and then i kind of just started playing a little bit here and there in early college I started booking shows um with my brother I have a twin brother and we both love music and in early college we started booking shows and then it, that was another point in my life where I was like oh this is like this is totally where I want to be like all of this just makes sense like just bringing people together and like spreading good music and good messages to everybody it was like oh, this is great um and then it was shortly after that uh I just decided to study music for like one year at college and see what it was like. Uh, in that one year, it was at community college. I just like completely fell in love with music and studying music and just learning more and more. And, that, and at that point I was just like a sponge with like learning how to play music and learning everything that goes in. And then I remember I was like, <clears throat> um, you know, I was like, well, if I, If I have to get a bachelor's degree, right, (laughs) because society says you have to get a bachelor's degree, or at least my family told me I had to get a bachelor's degree. Um, I was like, well, I I might as well enjoy it. And so I went to music for jazz studies um, at a state university here in New York, and I had a great time studying music. And and of course, you know, my parents weren't too happy about me wanting to (laughs) go to school for music. Um, and then a handful of years later, I was very lucky and I have a really good, I have a, I have a good music career and my parents were like, oh, okay, cool. You, you kind of, you did it. All right. Nice.
0: Yeah. Um, oh, and, uh, so prior to, um, going to uh, college for music, did you take like band in high school?
1: So I, I played trombone through junior high and I hated it hated it i skipped my lessons uh it just like didn't click with me um and then yeah i just picked up a bass guitar a couple years later that clicked it was cool because they're both bass clef instruments so like some of it kind of still you know the register still made sense to me Mm um so yeah i didn't like but like i didn't do marching band i never did concert band i never did band summer camp like it took me a long time. To- i kind of like had to catch up in high in 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 college because like a lot of my friends had been playing for years you know um so it took me a long time to develop my ear because i just like never had an ear for like figuring out the notes mm-hmm. all of that came much later uh yeah
0: yeah that's so interesting to me uh typically like you said like know some friends I that went to school and graduated like they did the whole band thing like their whole high school and then in like college they were there but that's really cool to to do that I would I wanted to uh, join like our community colleges like I think it was like Aladdin jazz band but I was too late to do it or too late to like sign up or whatever it was but um and then I just I just started working, you know, just left yeah. school, school <laughs> behind. Um, so when did you start, uh, like, forming your first band or, like, joining your first band?
1: Yeah, so, yeah, my, I mean, my first band was kind of just with other friends who were studying music at the time, um, and, and, and it was a classic rock cover band. And which was, which was fun for me at the time. Cause like, I never listened to classic rock. I mean, I still don't, uh, but it was like, it was really fun. Cause it was just like opening up my ears to this, like entire genre of music that I never listened to. Um, and I knew that a lot of people appreciated it and I could see that when we were playing, you know? Um, but so that was my first, my first like real band band that like played shows. We were just a <laughs> cover band, classic rock. Uh, we were called hot soup. And it was just with some <laughs> friends of mine who we were all in college together. And like, we were literally like in jazz band rehearsal and then we would leave and then, and then, just go play like Zeppelin all night and things like that. And like, you know, I didn't, I didn't really understand what it was like at the time, but like, that was a pretty big part to my playing because, and this is bass to bass, so I'm just going to go in like the bass <laughs> stuff. and, yeah. uh, you know, I was learning how to develop my stamina with that band you know because we would play at a bar three four hours a night and i just remember like at one point i was like oh my shoulder hurts (laughs) like what what what's going on and it was like at that point where i just reassessed my playing my technique i got a couple books on on like posture technique to human body and things like that there's this one great book oh man do i have it right here i'll have to find it and get back to you but uh it was like um, all about your your tendons, your muscles, and your arms and everything, and how that applies to playing bass guitar. It was really cool book, um, and so it was at that at that point that I bought you know like a padded strap for my shoulder, so that didn't hurt anymore. At that time I was playing a five string Mexican jazz bass, which was so heavy.
0: I have one right uh, now.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was so heavy. It and <laughs> so I eventually switched to a lighter bass. And in that point, is like that's the point where I was like, okay, if I got if I'm gonna do this, I gotta do it right so I'm not hurting myself and like burning myself out, you know. And that was like the first time I experienced tendonitis in my arm. And yeah. <laughs>
0: the good the good old days. Oh I, yeah. I did the same the same thing. I actually moved to Austin, which is like known for music. And uh I would be in a cover band and we would just play like four times a week and there'd be four hour sets. And it was just like uh it was so it was so wild. And at that time I wanted to be really cool and I had an eight by ten and it was just the worst like it was just the worst (laughs) yeah
1: uh big d and the kids table owns an 8x10 and that's Mm -hmm. the only time i ever play with an 8x10 because (laughs) it just lives in the band's trailer um and every time you know we have to carry it up three flights of stairs to go to the show we we hate it we hate it like everybody like it looks so cool on stage and it sounds amazing but other than that it sucks um and (laughs) Oh, man, what was I just going to say? Because you said, oh, you know, and it's really funny because, like, a lot of people knock cover bands, right? Um, and, like, I've been playing cover bands my, my entire life, my entire musical life. And, you know, I think a lot of it just depends on your pr- approach and, like, what you're trying to do and get out of it, right? Like, so I really, like, learned how to play in cover bands, right? And, like, that's a really important skill, period, and then, but from that, af- after that, I was like, all right, well, who am I doing it with? And like, at that point, I'm doing it with like some of my best friends. So it's like, uh, I'm going to keep doing this. These are my best friends. We're making music. It's great. Um, but later on, I was like, all right, well, you know, what what can you learn from playing in a cover band, right? And you can learn so much, even just the music and the repertoire alone, You like, it's like, all right, like. I know, <laughs> from that cover band I told you about, I know 15 Zeppelin songs, right? I know 12 Stevie Wonder songs. I know handfuls of Michael Jackson songs. And it's like, these songs are really popular and I get to learn them and I get to learn why they're really popular and why this line works. And if you can like start to approach it like that and then apply that to your own playing, that is just a wealth of knowledge that you can put into your own playing. It's like, yeah, all right, like this baseline works like Michael Jackson did it in his song. And like, if I just move it over here, like I can do that same concept and make my own bass lines work, you know? Um, so that's always been like my approach, like later on with playing cover bands and things like that is like, you can just learn so much
0: Yeah. I totally agree. Uh, when you were learning those songs, um, where how were you learning them? Was it by ear? Did you have the books or tabs? All of the above.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of it, because uh, I mean, I, again, I've been in cover bands like my whole time, my whole musical career. So starting out, yeah, probably a ton of tabs <laughs> and all that. Um, it was a little bit later that I started developing my own ear and trying to learn them like that. And then I also like have a bunch of bass books as well. So like, I, I can, you know, I learned things through that as well. Um, and then, and then, I mean, one of my favorite things is to find like a note for note transcription that like another bass player did and just like really take a deep dive into the song and get all of those subtleties that that bass player did. So, I mean, I, I learn them. It A lot of it depends on how much time I have. Uh, to learn the song
0: um just out of curiosity what's like one of your favorite baselines that you that you learn or maybe like an unexpected favorite baseline where you didn't know that you were gonna enjoy it so much
1: like from the cover band world
0: yeah oh (laughs) you know it's a hard question
1: right now because we're not playing yeah yeah so (laughs) um I need a set list. I need okay. a set list in front
0: of me. Uh,
1: you know, I, I this is kind of a, an easy, a a given, but uh, Stevie Wonder's song "Master Blaster." It's like his only. It's one of his Is one of his few reggae songs, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's just like obviously I already love Scott ska, <laughs> so like that was like, is a little bit of cop out, cheap answer. But like that one, I was like, oh, this is freaking great! Like this is a this is a huge hit song, and it's a reggae song, and I get to play reggae bass that is cool with me. Um I wish I could give you a better answer on that cuz there's yeah. definitely something if I had my rep from the cover yeah. bands I could look and, I could look and tell you like oh I'd have to get yeah I'd have to get back yeah. to you on that.
0: No, that's not good. It's not good. <laughs> that that's a great answer. Um and I was going to bring this up later but we, we talked about reading uh, music like to you how important is that uh, just ability to have
1: for me, personally, it, I, for, for my own playing, I think it's a really important thing for me to have. Um, because there's situations where I have to read music, you know? Um, I will occasionally do, like, pit gigs and theater gigs and orchestra work and things like that. And I just, like, have to read music for four hours straight, sight reading music and um so like yeah for me personally it's a really important skill and it's something that i work frequently to get better on and it's something that you need to work to continue being able to do it because like the less you sight read it just goes away um but like you know it's a pretty it's a good question because like everybody has a different relationship with music right like Everybody has a different relationship. Everybody has different expectations from playing music. And like, I I know a lot of amazing musicians who don't read music or can read a little bit, you know? Um, And then there's not great musicians that can read music, right? Like it goes both ways. Yeah. Um, So, but for me personally, it's really important because I, I do a lot of also like arrangement and composition and I use music score writing programs to like write it all out. And so. For me personally, it's huge. Creating music, yeah.
0: Yeah, awesome. Um, when you joined Big uh, Big D, did you? How ha- did they have the music written out, or did you just have to kind let-
1: <laughs> of? So yeah, I it. mean every every band, kinda, every band has a different approach, you know, like yeah. Yeah, and whatnot. So uh, yeah, when I joined Big D, it was like a a massive amount of repertoire. Like, luckily, my first tour with big d we we were doing the warp tour in 2013 so i'm sure you know warp tour is like a 30 minute set so they only gave me like i don't know 12 15 songs to learn and then that was it for the whole tour because we we're only playing 30 minutes every day mm-hmm. uh but then when i like officially joined the band later on it was just like so much rep Um, and then later we did like full album shows and things like that. So I just like had to learn every single song. Um, and that was a process that got easier, so much easier over time. You know, again, it's just like, it's the kind of thing that like the more you transcribe and like learn and drain your ears, it just gets better. Um, so, and then also I've learned like skills to make the songs easier to learn. Um, so yeah, now some of the Big D stuff is written out because I've written it out, uh, because I've either written it out or I've like filmed myself playing it after I learned it. Mm-hmm. So that a couple years later, if that song gets thrown in the set list again, I can just go to the video or I can go read the chart and then remember how to play the song. <laughs> um, because yeah, I've been with Big D for eight, seven, seven or eight years now. Um, and Steve Foote, the original bass player was on every single record before that so i had to learn all of his stuff um there's yeah and it it was a lot and those recordings from big d um the quality has changed over time as well i mean also they were like you know just in college in in the the 90s when the first couple records came out so they were recorded on a budget right and like so what i do to learn some of those songs is like I, i put it into like um I have a program on my computer that can like slow it down.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And I'll slow it down to like insanely slow where it's not recognizable anymore. Um, And then a lot of times I I pitch shift the octave up too, so that it goes from this register to this register. And it's a little bit, it cuts through the mix a little bit better. Yeah, it sounds like the chipmunks, like (laughs) because they will sound like the chipmunks, but it puts the baseline in a register that makes it easier for me to hear. So I'll do that very, very often. And that's what I do with a lot of things that I really take a deep dive into Transcribe now.
0: Yeah, that, that's awesome. I haven't heard about that technique or anyone doing that. But yeah, I mean, that's cool if it works for you. Um, yeah. To put in perspective, just for people who aren't familiar, uh, Big D started in like 1995 and you come in in 2013. So you're learning like 18 years worth of <laughs> <the> base parts. <laughs>
1: And then they mostly did an album every two years too. Mostly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That that's wild. That's so cool. That's a, that's really cool though. Um, so let's see. Uh, so what, how do you feel about just ska music right now? The state of ska?
1: I love ska. I really do. That doesn't answer (laughs) your question, but I'll answer your question. Um, I think ska is in a great place right now. Um, I mean, it's been around since the 60s. Uh, but, you know, depending on what wave you're talking about, there's a nostalgia factor with each of them. And then there's new fans every year with new bands and things like that. So, like, I have argued with some friends that ska is more popular now than it was in the 90s. And I will argue that only with my friends when we're just shooting the shit. But it's like... yeah. There are so many fans right now and so many new bands because of the nostalgia and because of the, just how many years it's been around and how many bands there are and how many local bands there are and how much new music is being put out. I mean, you know, you still got all of the staple bands that tour and, and play to full rooms every night they go out. You have a, a lot of new music just being released in the last 12 years, give or take, since the 90s. 20 years now, I guess, (laughs) Um, you know, and I think it's in a good place. I think it's in a good place for sure. It's um, it's like I, I, I love to see these bands, especially like the Scott punk bands that are coming out now and I go, oh man, this is so (laughs) cool. Like I not, you know, it's like, oh man, like this is the next iteration of Scott punk and this is great. And I like it doesn't sound like Big D and the Kids Table at all, right? And it's like, like uh, it's just it's great. I mean, I I made a playlist of the pandemic of um, ska ska punk bands that have been around for ten years that are not like mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just started listening to it like through the pandemic because I was like, there's all these great bands that I need to catch up on. Um, and it's great. I mean, like you take a band like. Uh, like Western standard time. Right. Like, I, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but I listen to them all the time. I'm, I definitely love Traskoff, but it's like <laughs> that band came out, you know, how many years after the Scatolites and like, they just made a big band out of ska music and it's just like amazing. Right. And then you got all the Scott modern ska punk bands, like, you know, kill Lincoln, be like max. Like they're just, they're awesome. They are so good. And, uh, there's a band from Houston that just had a re- no that just had a record and it was put out on left alone Elvis's records um, oh is it few Scott F.U. Scott oh yeah yeah oh man that's <laughs> that stuff is great like you're wild uh, like <laughs> and that doesn't sound anything like what came before in Scott right you know yeah. and then like even like the skins coming out in the last few years, like, getting really popular, like, the Skins is such a unique sound, um, and it all falls under the umbrella of Ska, so, like, I, don't know, I think the state of Ska is really good. As a fan, I'm happy to be here.
0: Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> man. I, I agree with you, too. Um, do you think that we're, like, in a fourth wave, or, <laughs> or is this just Ska right now, or Ska Punk? Like,
1: I think that I don't know man I think this is a huge question yeah. I, think the, I think the internet has just made everything accessible at all times yeah. so like is it going to be a fourth wave I don't know but there's still a lot of ska going on yeah you
0: know? um, um, in your opinion are so are the waves for you just based on like the popularity like so like by saying it's a wave it's just because ska is popular at this time
1: um, no I would I would base it on the, the how much the music changed with each okay. of the waves as well um, but it is kind of loosely based on like the pop how popular it was at that time as well but like yeah. with each of the three waves I mean the genre changed so much too right so um, you know because like even in this like if you want to call it a fourth wave but like all the versions of the sky bands out now are playing things that are still similar to the several waves before it, like Western standard times is playing trad ska, you know? And then like, even the ska punk bands are like, it's all just from those same things. So like,
0: yeah, I don't know, fourth wave. Yeah. I mean, it's to We here. don't need to, don't need to label yeah. it. It's just awesome, right? Yeah. Like,
1: uh, you know, cause uh, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so I know like uh, jazz can tie hand-in-hand with with ska music. I know you have a Poughkeepsie jazz group. How did you start that?
1: Yeah, so that's the Poughkeepsie Jazz Project. Uh, Poughkeepsie is a
0: city,
1: that's okay. Uh, Poughkeepsie is a city here in uh, New York, where I live. Um, And yeah, that was started in 2012 and it was started to give the local community a jazz jam session um, and it's in and since then it's been a weekly jazz jam session um, and we've, we've been at like a couple different restaurants over the years uh, obviously we're paused right now um, but you know it's just great like music is community and community needs music and with the Poughkeepsie Jazz Project, like I've helped supply that to my local community and it's been, it's been really great and rewarding. Um, every Tuesday night for the last eight years, I, I get together with some other musicians, just a house band, me, a drummer and a piano player. And then we play tunes with whoever shows up every week. And like we get a wide array of musicians from hobbyists, beginners, amateurs, students from the local colleges professional musicians touring musicians they, they, you know we all just like want to get together and play every once in a while and i've met some of my best friends like through this session and it's just a great way for the community to come together learn and talk about music and make music you know it's been really great um i also play upright bass for that too so that's <laughs> been like I didn't always play upright bass i only started that like a few years ago but um yeah jazz is great and like i think some of like obviously how jazz applies to ska like you said too it's like that's kind of where a lot of it all started and you know i listened to ska way before i listened to jazz you know and uh some of the first versions of jazz tunes I heard were ska and reggae versions. You know, like I think I think the first version I ever heard of a uh, uh, Dizzy Gillespie's A Night in Tunisia was on the Toasters record, Jump Fifty Six. You know, and then eventually I got to jazz school, and they're like, "All hey, right, we're gonna do this tune," and I was like, "Oh, I know this song because I've heard it with the Toasters."
0: Like, yeah, the Toasters times. wrote it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well,
1: <laughs> you know, and then and then you know, jazz. And and for a couple years, I played with um, the New York Ska Jazz Ensemble. And for me, that was just like a dream come true because it was just this, like, mixture of jazz harmony melody with, like, the ska and Jamaican rhythms. And, like, I loved that. And I'd been a fan of them for years, too. And, again, with them is how I heard jazz before I really knew or played or listened to jazz, you know? Same thing with, like... Yeah, all the early stuff in Jamaica, for sure.
0: Yeah, that that's so badass. Uh, what what advice do you have to someone who like wants to go to like a a jam session if it might be their first time?
1: Yeah, um, have fun.
0: Yeah,
1: have fun. Listen. Meet people. Talk to people. Um, find people at the jam session who will get together with like just you and make music. Um, cause jam sessions, you know, you don't always, you don't always get to play all night sometimes too, right? Like you just might only get to play a couple songs or something like that, but like go there, use it as an opportunity to meet people and learn from people, you know? Um,
0: yeah. Yeah um so speaking of learning I know you're doing some online bass lessons um so like what what uh like what made you want to teach teach bass
1: so I've always taught uh lessons pretty much ever since I had my degree because I felt official enough (laughs) for me to (laughs) teach um but and then you know because of the pandemic uh there's been less opportunities to perform so I've kind of focused in on some of the lessons that I've do as well um and for the first time ever i posted from the big d and the kids table page Mm -hmm. uh about me offering lessons and i'd never done that before uh and as i'm sure you would imagine there's a lot more followers on the big d page than there is (laughs) just on my own pages Mm -hmm. um so that's actually been like a really great opportunity because i've been able to connect and teach and i have some students who are fans of big d right and it's just like so cool because like they get scott and they get what i do and where i come from you know like i I teach that i'll teach to everybody but it's really great when they just like know what i do pretty well um yeah what was the question
0: oh just like Uh, what (laughs) uh what your drive was to teach oh yeah
1: yeah um yeah and like you know i had studied music and have taken lessons over the years as well and I mean, passing all of that knowledge and information on to other musicians is great, very rewarding. Um, yeah, I teach. I teach everything online now, just like this. Yeah, or right here. <laughs> uh, you know, and yeah, it's been uh, it's been great. Like, you know, I love trying to reapproach a topic to like explain it multiple different ways. Cause everybody learns differently. So it's like, mm. all right, let me explain it like this. Let me explain it like this. Let me expl- okay. That one worked. All right. Yeah. Let's yeah. go with that. You know? And like, it just challenges me as a musician to like think about everything differently, you know?
0: Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, so when someone's coming to you for lessons, like do you start uh, just from the beginning? Like if it's just a brand new bass player Um, Do you like, what's your approach? Are you just showing them notes or do you go the route like with like reading music or kind of like, what's your approach for someone who's new to bass?
1: Yeah. uh, So all of my lessons are like kind of customizable to my students goals. right? Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of it just depends on like where they're at already. Um, Like, I actually don't really know if I've had a student who like never played before showing up I actually think everybody all my students have played a little bit beforehand you know Mm -hmm. um but yeah all of my lessons kind of start with like a pop quiz (laughs) and I just go all right can you tell me this can you play this can you do this what note is this do you know this scale do you know this arpeggio right all of that um and then eventually you find the wall of where they don't know anymore um and then I kind of go back and really hammer and make sure that they understand all of the things that they like kind of know, you know, and then, and then I just take it from there. I mean, you know, my long-term goal with all of my students and like, it's funny that you're asking me this because I, I just had a conversation with a new student, uh, today's, it was yesterday. So I just had this whole conversation with a potential <laughs> new student yesterday. So it's like all very fresh in my head, but uh my like long-term goal with all of my students is to be able to give them the skills and the understanding of the instrument and and how the music applies onto the instrument so that they can constructively figure out how to write their own bass lines, how to learn other bass lines, but most importantly how to play them efficiently and with ease on the instrument, right? Cuz you can take you can take one bass line and play it five different ways on the instrument. And that's sometimes an exercise that I do with my students. I go, all right, take this one bass line and play it five different ways on the bass. And then when you figure out the way that you like or you figure out the way that's easiest, why? Why does that way work, right? And then you apply all of this to like having to play for four hours, like you said, and like how you play and how you play a bass line affects your endurance and your stamina and your and your posture and technique and all of that. So um yeah. Like having a, a good understanding of the bass, like knowing where all the notes repeat, knowing where the scales all kind of spread out and all of that. And you know, I don't I don't make uh I don't like tell my students they have to read music <laughs> or I don't I don't tell my students they have to play ska, although I should. Um <laughs> but like yeah it's like you know it depends on what they all want to learn, you know. And I like to help give them the tools so that they can learn and write their own music as well.
0: Yeah. Um, I was, I was looking at your YouTube channel and I was, uh, yeah. I was watching some of your playthroughs, which is pretty cool. You play through with the music. I was watching the slackers. Um, sometimes we'll cover that some nights we play a lot of Slackers teams actually, but um, I thought that was well, really they're, cool.
1: They're amazing.
0: Yeah, I, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I agree. Um, so what, what are some goals that you have uh, for 2021?
1: Uh, um, I'd like to play a concert. I'd like to uh, be able to leave my house. <laughs> yeah. um, no, all right, uh, for real. So, uh, well, I definitely want to do some more YouTube videos. Uh, when I did all of those, a lot of those were just tunes that I had known or learned over the years. Um, whether they were some like my favorite bass players or just tunes I've worked on with my students or tunes that I've learned for like other bands and Disney and things like that. Um, but I- I'd love to do some more of those videos. I'd love to continue with like a deep dive into Matt Freeman, um, especially his early Op Ivy stuff, because like <laughs> I- I'm sure you know hearing those bass lines on the recordings is very hard um because it's just it's the quality of the recording so like taking a deep dive and going and learning everything that he did has been huge and i would love to have all of that out there for other musicians to learn from it um i would also love to do a deep dive someday into matt malice from the toasters like they're a long bass player uh, he was just insane, like an insane bass player. If you go back and listen to some of like the Toasters '90s live stuff, like Matt was just a monster on the instrument. <laughs> and I know you had Tim on here a couple months ago, and like, yeah, I was just texting with Tim about Matt. <laughs> too. Um, uh, you know, um, 2021. I don't think my next solo album will be out by then, but it, it, I'd like to be close to recording my next solo album. Uh, between then. Um, if I didn't plug this, the band would be mad at me, but uh, Big D has a new record coming out this year. Um, I don't have anything official to really say, but it should be coming out. It's definitely done and it should be coming out in August.
0: Nice. Um, so, When do y'all record that?
1: Uh, I recorded my stuff well over a, a year ago. Yeah, and then it just like got, got finished over the pandemic. Um, we definitely had to pause when the pandemic started, uh, yeah. but like I think exactly a year ago, I was in Salem, Massachusetts, recording my parts. Um, but we've been writing that album for like well over three years, for sure.
0: That's that's gonna be awesome. I'm yeah. stoked for that. Um, <laughs> yeah, me too. Just, uh, so, j- just for some some gear heads, like what kind of gear did you use on the album?
1: Okay, so um, in terms of in the studio, at least, uh, I mean, pretty much every recording I've ever used, it, like the Avalon bass DI box. I don't know if mm-hmm. you know that, but like, I, it just always sounds amazing. I don't own one. They're like, <laughs> expensive. For me. but um, I've used that. I, I'm pretty sure like every studio I've ever been at. Um, and then I just recorded with uh, for that. I don't know if I used my five string on that record I don't think I did I think I just used my my Big D base which is my uh a squire P bass with Ernie ball strings and a kick ass bridge.
0: Hell yeah. I and like a uh, yeah yeah I love hearing just people saying like yeah I'm using a squire because I think sometimes people are just like oh I need a fender or this or that it's like Squires, or like I have a Sterling music man and that sounds amazing. Like, I don't need to have a regular music man. Like, if it sounds good, it sounds good.
1: I agree with you 100%, Jacob. Uh, um, I've had people come up to me at, like after the show and be like, I, I, I don't know why you're playing a Squire, but like it sounds great. <laughs> and I'll be like, all right, well, what, well, what's more important, right? It sounds great. Um, you know, and like, yeah, I, I don't I don't make a ton of money right so I can just uh, I can play a decent bass and like I just changed the bridges off my squires that's Mm -hmm. all that's the only thing I've changed everything else is stock. Um, And then, if you know how to play the instrument and you know how to get a good sound doesn't matter. You know, I mean, like, I, I can't even tell you how many times I've had beer spilled all over me in a TV show or how many times I've, like, hit the headstock on the pole next to the, like, stage because the, <laughs> the club is this big, you know? It's yeah. like, I, I am too scared to buy anything more expensive and play shows with it. You know, I my upright bass is the most expensive instrument I, I own, and, like, I'm scared the whole time I take it out.
0: <laughs> Man, um, was it a big transition to go from electric to the upright?
1: Yeah, it's an entirely different instrument. It's like it has the same role, but it's a lot harder and a totally different instrument. Um, I mean, for starters, the the physical stamina for playing those strings on something that big is huge. It's very hard, um, and not have any frets means you actually have to listen the whole time you're playing because you can go out of tune very easily yeah it was a, it was a very big transition i practiced for i think well over a year before i even like attempted to play it with anybody
0: yeah yeah that that's awesome is it an it's an electric uh upright or is it just you know? uh, no
1: it's an acoustic upright and then i have a pickup on the bridge, you kind of like, okay. uh, clamps onto the bridge and just gets the, the tone through
0: all that. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, you, so you mentioned just your solo album when you write for that, um, are you just more like, are you bass focused? Or are you just more thinking about the, the music? Yeah That's a
1: good question. Um, you know, I think as bass players, like we have a little bit of an advantage, from the perspective of playing music right because we can think from the bottom up and like when i am playing in a band everything that i do affects everything on top right so like it kind of just gives us this ability to like know what's going on with everything else because we're so tied into the drums and the guitar and the piano like it's all connected around the bass for sure um, so yeah I think I mean I'm bass focused because I'm a bass player but I'm not writing the songs to be good bass songs <laughs> I'm writing them to be good songs period you know um, and like a good melody on top with like good rhythm so everybody can improvise and have fun you know um, yeah it's not going to sound like a Marcus Miller record or <laughs> it's going to sound like uh, if anything it's not more like a victor rice record than a marcus, <laughs> marcus miller record <laughs>
0: can Can you do uh all the popping and slapping <laughs> no
1: <laughs> uh yeah i mean i could do a little bit of it if i was just messing around like right now um yeah no but yeah. not really
0: <laughs> no that's cool those those dudes are, are pretty wild i uh, want well, I'm, I'm stoked for that um do you have do you just get a um hire like musicians or you already have people kind of that you know that record those Um, parts
1: yeah so i did a record like five years ago and that was more of like a jazz straight ahead record like a hard bop record um this next one is going to be instrumental ska and reggae um so it's in its very early stages of when i would even (laughs) think about recording it um i'd really love to take some time and jump into composing this winter. Um, But anyways, uh, I think a lot of who is playing on it depends on if I record it in New York City or in Boston. That's to answer your question. Yeah. Yeah. But I would just, uh, yeah, I'd hire everybody I know in the area who can play the music right. Yeah. Especially with something like ska and it's like reggae, you have to find somebody who knows the genre to play it.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. cool well ben uh just thank you so much for your time i i was super nervous to be honest and then i uh i was like oh you graduated in 2006 and i graduated in 2006 and that just made me feel way better i was like yeah we're 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 the same
1: (laughs) it's so funny because i did look at your page today to see how old you were (laughs) (laughs) and i saw that you graduated high school in 2006 too yeah i'm just like a little (laughs) bit younger than most of the guys in big d uh especially all the original members they're like in their 40s now and i'm, I'm only 33 as as you know
0: yeah <laughs> oh man don't be nervous we're all people yeah for sure man <laughs> um I, I really enjoyed enjoyed the talk uh, i hope we can talk again yeah. but um how can people find you
1: yeah so i have my website denbisibley.com Spelled just like my name on the video, um, <laughs> and then I have a uh, Facebook and Instagram as well. And uh, yeah, you'll find everything you need for me on my website for sure. Uh, it's got everything. Uh, but yeah, Big D's record is going to be coming out later this year. Check it out; it's it's going to be great. I think it's awesome already. Um, I can't wait to share it with everybody. Cool. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Jacob.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. You have a good night now. Yeah, you too. Talk to you later.
1: Yeah, take care. Bye. Bye. Yeah, I think we played down there. Oh, man, like five years ago (laughs) at this. Like, we flew in for this punk festival.
0: Um,. (laughs) It oh, was no. at the Corova, like downtown,
1: I uh, think it was downtown. We all stayed at a hotel that was like across the street um, i
0: I think it was uh street dogs uh, played, yeah, it, I'm trying to remember what they called it. um that venue doesn't isn't around anymore.
1: it was like something punk, like yeah, something punk festival <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, uh man, that's gonna bother me so much, but. I, I know what you're talking about. They did it like two years and the second yeah. year um, they, it just went indoors like something had happened and they couldn't do like the big outdoor stages and stuff. Yeah,
1: because like it was two stages like an indoor and outdoor. I remember we played Pilfers and Joystick played, Street Dogs played and um, oh man, who's that punk? Like, famous punk band? What did they play?
0: Uh, oh, remember oh, the punks.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I it, It's ironic that we barely remember the name of the festival.
0: Yeah. And the festival's
1: yeah. called <laughs> uh, <laughs> Remember the Punks. <laughs>